This episode is brought to you by who else but Odeon. I love an Odeon, especially an Odeon Lux. Whether I'm on the red carpet at a movie premiere or popping down to my local cinema, the feeling is always the same. Pulling open the door to hear the huge, spine-tingling Dolby Atmos sound bellowing from within. The irresistible glow of the gigantic 4K iSense screen drawing you towards it, four times sharper to capture every detail. Relaxing into those luxurious reclining seats and feeling that sense of anticipation as you excitedly sip on your favourite tipple before emerging at the end of the film trying to put into words what you've just experienced. It's nothing short of magic. You can book your Odeon Luxe experience at odeon.co.uk or on the Odeon app. They say we make movies better and I couldn't agree more. And before we head to our fantastic virtual cinema, if you'd like a pair of tickets to head to a fantastic and very real cinema, listen out at the end of the show because the lovely people at Odeon have given us a pair to give away every week and I'll tell you how after this episode. Also, a little bit of housekeeping this week. We recorded this episode a few weeks ago. So, Shadow and Bone Season 2, which I say is out on March the 16th. Of course, today is, well... After March the 16th, so Shadow and Bone Season 2 is available right now on Netflix. Also, we recorded this pre-Oscars, so you hear some Oscar predictions, a couple of which are wrong, because the Oscars have revealed the truth to us. Aside from that, I hope you enjoy this episode. Don't forget, you can follow us on all social media where we are at Trip to Movies Pod. That's Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to get videos and all the latest updates. We also have a lovely YouTube channel. So if you want to subscribe to our Trip to the Movies YouTube channel, please go ahead and do that too. All right, then back to this episode. If you are ready, let's do this. Hello and welcome to A Trip to the Movies, the podcast where each week a special guest takes us on an incredible journey as they curate their perfect night out at our fantastic virtual cinema. This week, we are joined by a brilliant actor, writer and comedian who's appeared in everything from the excellent Channel 4 sitcom back to BBC One's Last Tango in Halifax and is soon going to be seen in a killer role in season two of Netflix's massively successful fantasy series, Shadow and Bone, hitting our screens on March the 16th. She's also one half of the brilliant comedy duo Egg, taking us on today's trip to the movies. It's the supremely talented... Anna Leong Brophy. Hello, Anna. How are you? What uh, what an intro. I'm hyped for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's great to have you on. And before we start talking Shadow and Bone, though, I I thought we'd start at the beginning and where it all began for you, this career on stage and screen. Was it always the dream from day one? I I think I thought that everybody wanted to be an actor when I was a kid. Um, so yeah, maybe, but I also think that I just really wanted the attention. So whatever would have gotten me that attention, I would have, uh, I would have gone with that. But I definitely went through sort of phases because at one point I wanted to be a director. Another point I thought I would be, um, I was a, like a theater maker. That's what I trained in, like making weird theater. So I kind of started off there and then I came out into the world also because I, w- I grew up in London So I think I sort of was a bit naive as to how the world saw me. So yeah, I was just like, everyone looks like me. Everyone's a bit of this, bit of that, a little little bit, whatever. And uh, then I came out of drama school and I was like, oh, oh no. (laughs) It is just like really, you know, can you light, light some incense? Could you let off a lantern? Could you play a Chinese prostitute? And, you know, obviously didn't want to do that. So that's when I went into comedy. <laughs> yep. I really want to talk about Egg uh, in a moment, but let, let's talk about Shadow and Bone uh, because it had a hugely successful first season on Netflix. So when did you first find out they wanted you to be part of season two as Tamar Kirbatar? Oh, great question. Because <laughs> I was on, um, I was on a, a retreat. I was on a, like a meditation and yoga retreat with a friend and you know, I'd had the initial tape, you know, you do a tape, you send it to them. You always feel like with things like that, you're just rolling the dice, lottery ticket kind of thing. Um, but then then I'd had a, a chemistry read with some actors, one of whom ended up being my twin brother. So I was like, okay, so I'm sort of, you know, in this space. And I remember sort of that the day before I'd been like walking on the beach, I was in Corfu with my friend being like, I'm just letting it go. You know, I'm just really letting it go. Uh, 
whatever happens, you know, all this kind of thing. And then the next day it was pouring with rain. So we weren't uh, out in the sort of outdoor practice area. We were inside like making um, like mandala necklaces. It's all very Zen. And my phone started ringing. I didn't even then think maybe I'd got the job, but I went outside into like the rainstorm under like huddling under and it was my gay agent. I had, was having a chat with her. She was longing it out. Like she was just, how's the trip? Da, 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 da. And then she, when she said that, um, <laughs> they were like, you're confirmed, you're booked. I screamed, like ran into the thunderstorm, like, ah! <laughs> zero chill, no Zen at all at that point. And then I ran into the room that I was sharing with my friend and she was like doing Duolingo on her phone. And I ran in, I was like, I got the job. And she went, you got the job. I got the job. And then she was screaming, jumping on the bed. Her top was falling down. Someone ran in to see what the matter was. We were like, she got the job. <laughs> it was extremely chaotic, um, but like a fantastic, like full explosion of, of like, oh my God, it's happened. It's happened. And you know, from that moment, having seen season one, you're like, wow, I'm going to be in for a real ride. So I took it very professionally and very calm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it an easy question to answer when a show like that comes along, asking you to be part of it? Because obviously it's a huge commitment. You're out in Budapest filming for, I imagine, quite a while. It, do you have to consider it? Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting because it um, it's a huge, you're basically saying, like most people when they have like a big life change, I don't think they see it coming, you know, it happens or you, you know, you plan to have a baby or something like that. But as an actor, there's always the possibility that this might happen and then it happens or you, or the opportunity for it to happen comes into view and you have to think like, okay, this is going to be a massive change, a huge shift. For me, it was like a big struggle to accept that people will want a lot more of me, I guess, you know, there's a big fan base. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of balancing on the scales of, on the one hand, you get this amazing job, this amazing opportunity, have a time of your life, run around with axes, <laughs> amazing. And then on the other hand, like the balance of that is that people want a bit more, you know, that is the, the sort of quid pro quo. And yeah, I, I'm not amazing at, you know, I'm not like a huge, like, Instagram output person. I'm not, so I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, I have to kind of give a little bit more. And also I was aware that, you know, I was recently out of a relationship that, you know, when I was reflecting on it, I thought, wow, that would have been the end of that, even if it hadn't ended. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, takes, yeah. you have to be with someone very secure, who's like able to deal with long distance, able to deal with you kind of being out there when they might be at home on the sofa. So it's, mm. it is a big shift, but I'm very grateful for it. I mean, this is always the thing you always come to the place where you're like, but I'm extremely grateful. And of course I am, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I grappled with it. I knew it was going to be serious, uh, like a serious shift. So yeah, had a little, had to have a little ponder. And, and did you have to do, you mentioned uh, the, the wielding of axes, having fun with axes. Did you have to do a lot of training? Because like I said, I just watched um, an episode. I'm up to uh, episode three in, uh, in season two at the moment. And I just saw uh, you and Lewis Tan, who obviously plays your, your twin brother on the show. Um, you have a, a very well choreographed fight uh, with a Volcra on the, the, the uh, on the ship uh, I, I, that that looks like something that must require quite a lot of of practice and rehearsal and actual skill with actors um <laughs> i mean do you do, do you not want to pull back the curtain am i am i asking too much of you is it like let's pull back the curtain and say i am not <laughs> a martial arts or axe expert in real life it would have been so cool <laughs> if i was <laughs> It would have been the perfect application <laughs> of a very niche skill. But no, Lewis is the expert. He is like martial arts since he was knee high to a grasshopper. So I was like, okay, so I have to, and against him, this he's a genius and I'm a dunce. But I, I mean, it's amazing what they can get out of you, Alex, is, is really like <laughs> the stunt team. <laughs> They're just presented with this. <laughs> This unformed lump of clay and me going, I'm, uh, I don't know. 
a bit. Um, and they were just so, so good, you know, their, their whole mindset as well being like, listen, if, if you hit us, that's our fault. That's it's our job to get away. Basically, saying it's our job to get out of the way of useless actors. <laughs> <laughs> so um, their their skill level is off the chart, and so they are really committed to um, shout out to Stunts Canada. They're really committed to making us look good, um, but then don't also do not get me wrong. Like everyone else is doing. I think they instilled a real, a real sense of like self-belief and stuff because the, the stunts that people were doing, like Archie, Freddie, everyone, you're just like, and you can act? Okay. Uh, it's amazing. It's really amazing. So yeah, I had to like really get to grips with the axes and I had them in my, uh, in my apartment. I was messing around with them all the time and probably really annoying the person below as I like flip, drop, flip, drop. <laughs> just... <laughs> getting to grips yeah as uh as a fan of uh of action sequences a bit of an action junkie i will never get bored of, of watching a character twirl the axe like you do when you're pulling it out and you do the, the the little quick twirl that just fundamentally will always look cool that was yeah i was like if i can do that then everything else surely is covered just yeah i had the same thing i love um i grew up on like martial arts films and stuff like that with my cousin my brother and always that it's that like, if you can swirl them, if you can swing them. And uh, yeah, Lewis is amazing at that. Oh, so good. <laughs> uh, so while we're in the business of pulling back the curtain, um, I, 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 this stuff like this fascinates me. On the scenes when you were on the boat, are you actually on a boat? We were on a boat, but it wasn't, it was in a field. <laughs> a boat in a field on on like a gimbal, like on um. So the boat could move um, like a bit in my head. Like, do you remember you'd go on holiday as a kid and they had those uh, like little wooden dogs, like a little ornament, and you, you pressed your thumb underneath and it would go, woo. <laughs> it would kind of like wiggle. It had like joints. <laughs> Relatable content. Um, <laughs> that's how I imagined it. It was like just a massive ship. It was quite surreal. Um, this huge ship in the middle of a field and they'd have to kind of like roll steps up for us to get on the ship, roll the steps away with all our coats and we'd all be freezing, being like, ah, action, oh God. <laughs> and so some of the fight scenes and stuff were happening on this quite seasick inducing. It's very um, method. I mentioned at the start, uh, you're one half of the incredibly funny egg uh, with Emily Lloyd Saney, uh, the other half of uh, your brilliant double act. Uh, and I believe you just announced some new dates. You're performing live again. Yes. We're actually doing two sort of <clears throat> the first outing of our new show. So it's a work in progress at Vaults in London on March the 15th and 16th. So actually the 16th is also when Shadow and Bone comes out. So it's going to be a busy day. <laughs> I imagine <laughs> on the 16th yeah which is really fun because we haven't had a full hour-long show live show for quite a long time because pandemic filming all kinds of things got in the way Emily had a baby very very selfishly <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah now we're um we've got like loads of juice stored up and just like a lot of joy being back in the room working together. It's great. I bet. I bet. And I, I, I would uh, send people in the direction. You did a very funny Channel 4 comedy shot. Uh, weirdly enough, with a friend of mine, Kevin Miolo, over at uh, Daddy Super Yacht, the, uh, the, the female pilots sketch. The pilots. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That was really fun. We got to go to like a real um, flight simulator for that. So we learned how to take off but not how to land so if anything even more useless now than before we tried out because it <laughs> probably instilled us with a lot of false confidence <laughs> i was gonna say of, of the two skills that's the one you need less it's very rare that you're on the ground in a plane and people go can anyone take a plane off <laughs> sadly yes yeah but it was cool <laughs> Uh, well, it's very funny. People can find that online. I'd recommend checking it out. Uh, right then, Anna, you're about to take us on your perfect night out at the cinema. You are our guide. We are your audience. Let's go on a trip to the movies. 
So, we push open the doors to our temple of film and find ourselves in the foyer. There's an excited buzz, as there always is in a cinema foyer, the hum of anticipation. So it's your perfect cinema trip, Anna. Who have you picked, living or dead, to go with you? Okay, I feel like I'm maybe going to stumble at the first hurdle here, Alex, because I was think I was really racking my brain about this question. And the fact is, it has to be someone who knows my very specific rules about about watching a film. So really, it's either going to be my partner or a friend. Now, I feel like I should say like Cleopatra or something, but can I, can I just use a friend? Yeah, of course you can choose a friend. This is your perfect cinema trip. You can choose anyone. <sighs> now, I, now I feel bad about which friend I'm going to choose. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I think I'm going to choose my friend, my friend Paxi. Go on. What makes Paxi the perfect friend? I mean, lots of reasons make her the perfect friend, but <laughs> she, um, I think we have a very similar giggle threshold very important. Uh, and I think she instinctively, uh, for me, particularly when you come out of a film, I'm like, I don't want to talk about a film. I want, I like to let things settle. I like to let things kind of percolate, feel the feels, you know, I don't want people like chit chatting in the film unless the film is unintentionally hilarious. And then I deem it my absolute God given right to chit chat in the film and you just have to have someone who just senses that exact that exact line i found this was with my my partner but <laughs> was when i saw avatar 2 i just couldn't stop laughing at how this is really bad <laughs> i just couldn't <laughs> stop laughing uh, is his name spider yes yes the young kid yeah i just was like not only is he the only like not nine foot beautiful uh giant eyed blue person then they're putting a face mask on him then they're putting like a life jacket on him then he's got dreadlocks and it's just like he looked like i just i just couldn't control myself i was like this guy he cannot catch a break every morning when he goes <laughs> goes getting to his trailer <laughs> they're like here you go you're gonna wear like a mowgli outfit <laughs> A huge face breather and this also just put on this life jacket. Now you can go and act with a 15-year-old Sigourney Weaver. I just, so stuff like that, I'm like, but I, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it right now. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take Paxi because she gets it. Uh, and also I like to, um, I'm, I've got, I've got ADHD. I can't sit still, that whole thing, you know? So I like to wriggle around in my chair. I like to uh, cozy up to someone for a bit and then maybe put my legs in this. So um, again, someone who's used to me doing that is important. Uh, so it's basically, I have to just choose a very tolerant person that doesn't annoy me. <laughs> they're, they're few, few and far between. <laughs> what? So Paxi is that person. Paxi is who you're taking with you to the cinema. Okay, that's great. Now there's a clock on the wall in the foyer. It reads a specific time. What time of day have we gone to the cinema? I think we've gone we've gone for like a 9.30 viewing. 9.30 p.m. P.m., I should say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard examples episode where he's going to six in the morning <laughs> cinema trips or whatever. <laughs> it was like... Wow, no. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know what you want until you hear what someone else wants. And you're like, oh, that's not for me. Yeah, I like, I do like coming out of the cinema and feeling like every, everything else is shutting down. Not an apocalyptic thing. <laughs> right, right. Not so much, but more like, oh, we, we can sort of like wander around shell-shocked for a little bit, but then we have to get the last tube home or, you know, like... I don't want to come out really and go, okay, now, now I'm going to go to work or something like that. Yeah. I like, I like an, a late, a late in the evening thing. I also like to use cinema as an opportunity for second dinner. So it's like you've met at seven, you've had dinner, but then obviously you have to get like enough food at, <laughs> for a full meal in, in the cinema <laughs> as well. So yeah. 
Okay, okay, so Paxi and yourself, 9.30 p.m. Now, obviously, that's quite it's quite a popular time, an evening screening. You like a busy cinema. You like a packed auditorium. No, I like to go and see something. My ideal, I think, is it's almost out of the cinema, and it's like we're in in one of the small the small screening rooms where there's only really like 25 seats anyway maybe 30 seats and there's just like one old couple the only i have started to slightly shift my um perception of this because i recently moved to southeast london and discovered the delights of um the peckinplex which um are you, are you familiar with the peckinplex I, I am not i'm hoping you're going to enlighten me into the joys of the peckinplex well yeah it's uh it's in. It's a big old cinema in Peckham, um, with several screens, not like a single screen guy. That's really ratty and kind of falling apart. But it's five pounds for every every showing. So the the second time I went there, they forgot to turn the house lights off when the film started. <laughs> Someone had to go out and be like, "Can you turn the lights off?" But it's amazing because it's just full. Because everyone's like a fiver. Yeah, I'm going to go to the cinema for a fiver. And it's like, there's a big, good sense of camaraderie. I don't know, it's a, it's a good vibe at the Peckinplex. Five pounds, I mean, I love a bargain. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, my ideal, there's, um, there are a few other people because I like to imagine what they're thinking or I like to like listen to their little conversations, but absolutely no troublemakers. It, do not even have your... Even if your if your eye watch is is like keeps flashing on, I will be like, please take off your watch. I, I cannot <laughs> abide. I'm that friend. I'm not like I don't wait till the end of the film to come out and then be like, God, it wasn't really annoying. Those people were talking as soon as they start talking about, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> are you trying to have a conversation? Okay, can you can you leave? <laughs> um, so yeah, my full. My, my full Halston, Northwest London upbringing comes fully to the surface. Um, so yeah, no, no crinkling, no phone calls, no checking your phone. Why are you checking your phone? Don't go to the cinema. It's the one opportunity to not check your phone. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. It's it's that, you know, it's. I mean, I'm guilty of it at home. If I've got my phone on the arm of the sofa, I just can't help oh, it. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been psychological, uh, psychologically, chemically altered in my brain forever to just pick oh, it up yeah. without thinking. It's a reflex action now. Yeah, 100%, which is why you need people like me to enforce the social, <laughs> the social mores in the cinema. Because that is why you, I do genuinely think, like, that's why you're going to the cinema. Unless you're going to the IMADs and you're going for, you know, like... But you're going because no one can ring the doorbell with an Amazon package for next door because, like, you can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to go. <laughs> if you're going to leave to go to the loo or you can't pause it, you, you're taking the two hours out away from the phone, which obviously is it rules our life. So, yeah, I, I have no shame about it. I'm going to do it. And you're all welcome. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I was about to say, I, 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 I want to be in the same auditorium as you because I, I, I don't have that ability. I've literally sat through an entire film where a couple were on a first date and decided to, like listening to someone awkwardly chat up a girl on their first date no. while you're trying to watch a film for, for two hours. And I couldn't do anything about it because I just <gasps> don't have that ability because I'm just, I'm too scared. And that's what it boils down to. I'm scared. No, it's, <clears throat> I understand your that's just a very British mindset. And uh, I think I've got like enough like bolshy Asian plus North Weezy upbringing <laughs> combination to just like, <laughs> I, I can't, I, I, well, I guess my mentality is that I can't, um, I can't, I will not be able to complain about that person if I didn't at least make an, an effort, you know, when people are like, oh yeah, there were mm. people sitting outside my house talking all night. I'd be like, did you go and say, could you not sit here? And then if they're like, no, I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear it. That's on you. All right. You have booked the tickets for this trip. So where are we going to be sitting in the auditorium? Because I'm imagining quite a small auditorium, quite a small screen right at the back on a double seat. When I used, to, I used to work in a cinema, I used to work in um, the cinema, at the Tricycle Theatre in Kilburn when I was like 15. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, which I think is not even called the tricycle anymore. I think it's called the kiln. <clears throat> but yeah, I used to work there. Yeah. Check it out. And they had um, double seats at the back and they were, you know, I used to sit on the little usher seat at the back, like on the back wall, which is like tiny for like one butt cheek <laughs> um, and be like, ah, oh, those are the seats. You book those seats. You can like cozy up as if you're on the sofa with your other half and get comfortable. <clears throat> so yeah, I'm at the back, pretty much center. If it's a big auditorium, then it's like, I can't be too close to the screen. I'd rather be at the back. Otherwise it stresses me out. I'm, I, I'm like, what if my eyes get tired? Um, as we've already established, I'm 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 quite scared of people, and I, <laughs> I I couldn't ask people I couldn't ask people to to move if I was sit I have to pick an aisle seat because I I'd just be too anxious about if I needed the toilet going hey excuse me hi excuse me and then not having to do it once but twice oh oh you're such a good person I mean I feel I feel like that as well I get I under I'm a very anxious person myself. Yeah. And in that situation, I, I think, but I'm also like, I have an added thing where I'm like, I, I'm the person who's like, have we got enough provisions for if we get locked in here for a week? Have I gone to the toilet like six times before we go in? Cause I'm like, I'm not leaving this chair. This is it. I'm sticking around. <laughs> but yeah, I can, I can understand. I have that fear on planes. I'm like, do I get constantly bothered by Small bladder Pete over here next to me on the window seat? Or am I going to be that person being like, I'm so sorry. And then what if they're asleep? That's the thing on a plane. What if they're asleep? You can't wake them up. You just have to go. Just go in the seat. <laughs> yeah. And there's also the added fear of if you are sort of halfway between clambering over them with your crotch level with their face and they wake up. No, no one wants to be in that situation on either side of things. I, I would imagine that is the real reason people take private jets. It just cuts that whole thing out. <laughs> Kim Kardashian never has to worry about that. Uh, you mentioned provisions. Well, the air in the foyer is full of wonderful smells. All manner of snacks and foodstuffs are available at the various counters. What are you choosing to eat? Definitely popcorn. <clears throat> and I often like... A cup of tea. I like a cup of tea. Okay. Sure. Sure. A tea in a cinema. That's a Yeah, I'm at the, the, one of the fancy cinemas uh, and it's a late viewing and I've had like dinner, maybe I've had a glass of wine or whatever. I'm like, mm, I'm winding down now. A cup of tea. But if it's obviously a big blockbuster, then you have to have a gallon of, of fizzy drink, obviously. But yeah, I think I would be having... I like to have all the options. So how about I've got a tea? Now, this is my perfect trip. I've got my popcorn. I've got tea. Uh, obviously, I've got my water bottle in my bag. <laughs> Always, Alex. <laughs> yep. um, and I've got my fizzy drink in case I need the, the cool, refreshing, you know, sugar boost. Then I'm definitely going to have, like, sugar makes me really, um, like, high. Really uh, affects my nervous system, I guess. But I'll do it. Oh, I'll do it. So I guess let's just go for a classic, you know, like a minstrels situation. Okay, you really, you really are preparing for the end of the world in case you do get locked in this cinema. So, 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 let me understand. We've got a cup of tea, a bottle of water in a bag, some minstrels, and some popcorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I went to see Avatar: Way of the Water, I had um, dumplings. I had like Chinese dumplings with me. Um, you brought you wait. You brought them. You brought them into this into the cinema with you. you this is the, the these dump, the dumplings in a bag. Yeah, dumpling in, in like a takeaway container that my boyfriend had bought for me because I hadn't been able to make it to dinner. But then he kept being like, "Eat your dumplings," and I was like, "No, I can't." But I didn't want to get into chit chat because obviously this is not the sort of permissible chit chat that you can have um, as per my previous rules. So I was waiting for them to cool down. So that they didn't, the aroma didn't drift into the cinema. So I had to sit there and wait for my dumplings to slowly cool down to below room temperature. And then I was there with my chopsticks and my dipping sauce, my vinegar. I was just going for it. It was great. But we were on the side, we'd removed ourselves from the general population. So um, I can, I can only, that's my only defense for such 
terrible cinema etiquette. <laughs> no, no, I love this. I think that's great. I mean, Avatar 2, uh, The Way of Water, I think is 27 hours long. So you probably <laughs> need quite a lot of sustenance during that movie. Yes. And I have a mortal fear of being hungry in general in my life. Um, so any any opportunity where I may be, again, on planes, people are like, what have you, why, what is, I'm like, well, I made a sandwich, but I also got a five guys. I don't know. They bring you food on the plane. I don't know, just in case. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm <laughs> provisioned. Uh, okay, great. Um, popcorn though, sweet or salted what are you going for with your popcorn sweet or salted can i go for a mix you can go for a mix yeah i'm i'm going for a i'm going to go for a 70 30 split favoring sweet <laughs> 70 30 favoring sweet okay that's just very specific i i i mean <laughs> i mean you know if i can only choose one i'm going to go for sweet but who you know i love a little bit of that salty contrast but you wouldn't go like, I want 50% salt, 50% caramel. You're like, yeah, it's just a sprinkle of salt on the top of the caramel. That's what I'm hoping to achieve with that split. Okay, that's great. Well, we've got all the provisions we could possibly need. It's now time to leave the foyer and walk down the corridor towards the auditorium. I'm going to be putting up posters along the cinema wall that illustrate some of your most important movie memories. And the first poster we're putting up depicts your fondest movie memory. One of my fondest movie memories, <laughs> literally having this as, as we as we talk, was um, <clears throat> watching <laughs> rewatching the OG Jumanji with my friend Naomi, and I have a projector projecting it up on the wall. We were quite merry. <laughs> we were watching Jumanji, and obviously we'd both seen it, but since when we were kids. And we both, we spent the whole film, not the whole film, but like almost all of the film going, when do they go to Jumanji? But, but when do they go to Jumanji? They go to Jumanji, but when do they go to Jumanji? When do they go? No, no, I swear. Is it now? No, now they're going to go to Jumanji. For more than an hour, we were quite toasted. And um, my poor brother came in just at the moment where we both suddenly turned to each other and went, Jumanji comes to them! <laughs> as if we'd had this huge revelation, as if that wasn't very, very clear um, in the film. Yeah, Jumanji. And we must have gotten the new Jumanjis mixed up, but we were hysterical at the thought of um, Jumanji. <laughs> comes to them, which, oh, sorry guys, spoilers, spoilers for that film. And, <laughs> and then we felt like we needed to explain the whole thing to my brother. But um, <clears throat> on top of that, and look, maybe your listeners or you yourself can help me with this. We watched to the end and I remember the last scene of Jumanji where they're back in the real time. There's Robin Williams. The kids come to the party to the Christmas party with their parents and they kind of changed the course of history by being like, hey, you know, I can't remember what they say, like take take a holiday. Oh no, 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 no holiday. The holiday that their parents, don't go on the holiday. Don't go on the holiday. Don't go on the holiday, yeah. So, and then they present them with a box. They open them, there's some sneakers, American sneakers in the box and they take them out and they're like, Jumanji. And they're like, yeah. And these kids are like, what a weird name for sneakers kind of thing. And there's a knowing look shared between Robin Williams and name. I can't remember her name. And it wasn't in the film. I then had to go on a huge deep dive. It does exist somewhere. There are other people who have referenced it in the internet. You know, like, if you really do the deep dive? Yeah. But no one knows... No, I don't recall this at all. I've never. This is this is the first. This is the first time I've ever heard of Jumanji trainers emerging from a box and people going Jumanji. That's a. Str I. This is this is. I, I. Are you sure other people? This isn't sort of some like weird joint consciousness like misremembering thing. Which it may be, but then I'm like trainers that say Jumanji at the end of Jumanji. Well, like why would that happen? 
I can see it in my mind's eye really I can see the sort of um the, the kind of really the high top style trainers that they're showing them and they're like they're called Jumanji lol we know why you don't know why whatever but I thought oh this will also be something that was just like solved on the internet but it isn't there's just like a few people going yeah what, what happened to those trainers I'm baffled I would love an answer I'm, I'm going to come back to you on this. I'm, I'm obviously this is now obvi- hugely fascinating to me, just because you know, in in the in the world of movie trivia, uh, you know, knowledge is is currency. So I'm going to find out whether this is true. It would make sense because it's it'd be an arc for the the cop who designed the sneaker and then it got crushed in the machine at the start. It would close that arc, and you'd be like, oh, he did make his sneakers in yeah. the end. Everything was great. And I, it was sort of the one thing I remembered about the film. Oh, clearly, because I didn't remember that Jumanji comes to them. But that was that last scene where I was like, yeah, yeah. And then, and then this is the bit with the trainers. Didn't happen. Please help. Someone send help. I am. I, I, I'm starting to worry that if this, this happened on the same night that you thought Jumanji was where they went, if this is when you also thought the trainers thing, <laughs> the, 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 it, it, it's not the safest bet. <laughs> Is all I'm saying. If this is all happening yeah, on this you, one I mean, night, you, you could be right. But um, whilst I've come to terms with where Jumanji is and isn't now, the trainer thing still still really hangs around. So I, I'm going to try and trust that memory, and I'm hoping someone listening to this will be able to back me up. I can't wait. I can't wait. This is I, I'm on tenterhooks already for the big reveal as to whether this alternate ending truly exists, but. Right now, I'm putting up a poster for Jumanji. So we'll carry on down the corridor. And the second poster depicts your worst movie memory. Oh, okay. Uncut Gems. I, you, as you've, you've told me that you're an anxious person, you get anxious about waking people up or asking people to move. I went to see Uncut Gems at a point where my, my personal anxiety was so bad, so high. And when the film started, I... And for anyone who hasn't seen it, one, don't. Two, if you want to keep your peace of mind, just don't. Uh, no, it's a very good film, but not for me. <laughs> it starts and he's like, Adam Sandler's character's like walking through these incredibly busy streets of New York and like weaving in and out. There's loads of unfiltered sound coming from all directions. It's really intense and full on. And I remember turning to my boyfriend at the time being like, is this the whole film? Is this what it's going to be like? <laughs> And it was, it was just never ending. I mean, I'm such, I'm such an anxious person that I couldn't watch like Mr. Bean or Keenan and Kel because I would, I would see from miles ahead, like, oh, that's what's going to happen. Obviously, Kel is going to drop Keenan's mum's birthday uh, birthday cake, and he's going to ruin. The- don't give it, to, don't give it to Kel. And then I would feel I have to turn it off. So watching Uncut Gems, <laughs> I just couldn't cope. Um, it was just so much like the interior noisiness of my own mind, plus this guy just constantly making the wrong decisions. Like every five seconds, I was like, when I when it ended, I pretty much got up and was like, oh my god, oh my god, like out of my chair. <laughs> to the sort of shock of the people around me. I was like, no, no. But yeah, I, it's not for me. Not at all. Yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you. It is, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a massively anxiety-inducing movie, that film. But nevertheless, we're going to put up a poster for Uncut Gems and quickly walk <laughs> away from it so it doesn't bring back memories and instead put up our third poster, which depicts the last performance that brought you to tears. <clears throat> okay, well, I pretty much cry at every film, but this puts me back in the cinema with with Naomi of Jumanji fam, uh, fame. So we, she's Chinese, I'm half Chinese Malaysian, and um, we had gone to see Everything Everywhere All at Once um, at a BAFTA screening, and she'd already seen it actually, but she was like, "Mate, I really want to see see it with you." We watch the films and we both have Asian moms. Um, <laughs> and I just remember at the end, all the like 50 year old white men <laughs> who were made up the rest of the audience and just kind of filtered out. And we were just like sobbing 
in each other's arms and going, me, I get me. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, me too. Like just totally overwhelmed with like mum catharsis and like understanding and mother daughter relationship stuff. It was, um, it was, and, and very unabashed, <laughs> just like openly weeping. Um, yeah. So I think that that's the standout of, of recent months would be that just Michelle Yeoh. What a performance because uh, the the bit that gets me uh, when I watch it and it's down to the performance up until this point, but it's when mother and daughter have become rocks and the, she throws herself down the cliff and another rock, the mother rock follows the daughter down the cliff and you're watching two rocks with googly eyes fall down a cliff yeah. and you're in tears. Yeah, it's exactly it. That is exactly it. And then you're like, oh my God, my rock would, would throw herself after me too. And But it is the, it is the, it's the performance that brings you to be able, like that carries, it's Michelle Yeoh's performance that carries all of that so that they can throw two rocks down a hill and for you to cry. You know, you can't just, you've got to have currency with that. And um, I just think she's amazing. So, yeah. And I think it's just quite, quite moving as well. Cause she's Malaysian. Like I say, I'm Malaysian and just to have someone on screen like that, you know, is just um, that you can relate to. Oh, she's big hero. I would love, love to see her win Best Actress at the Oscars. I, I, I think it probably is going to be Kate Blanchett. I know you hosted the uh, Critics Circle Awards recently, and I believe Kate Blanchett won for Tar at, at that. And I think it's probably going to go the same way at the Oscars. I don't know what you think. I think it will as well. I, I wish it were. I'm like. <laughs> I can't talk ill of Kate. We're friends now. Um, <laughs> um, we're so close. No, I I would really like to see it go to Michelle Yeoh, just for so many reasons. Um, and there are so many reasons why I think it won't. But I just also think, aside from anything, like a film like Everything Everywhere All at Once is just so much more, well, I guess it's all down to taste, but I would say for me, like Tar is a great film very much in the in the kind of history of there's been a lot in my in my opinion there's been a lot of films made like tar it's just that normally kate blanchett's character would be a man and i personally don't have a lot of time for films about like irascible geniuses misanthropic like just like people who just you're like oh they're awful oh yeah they continue to be awful they're really good at this one niche thing, but they're awful. They're terrible to their wife. They're sleeping with these, their ingenue, their da, 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 da. And I did think like, oh, if this was a, a male lead, I would, I would have left the, the cinema, I think. Cause, but it was, I was like, oh, it's different. It's important because now Kate Blanchett is getting to do it. But I, I personally don't think that we're going to look back on the canon and be like, wow, that was a game change. Like that film itself stands the test of time. I think it's just important in this space, whereas I think we will with everything everywhere all at once. That's my two cents. I like it. I like your two cents. And I'm going to put up a poster for everything everywhere all at once, which I do think will win best picture at the Oscars. Fingers crossed. I hope so for a lot of the reasons you just outlined. Yeah, me too. Right. Our final movie poster that we're going to put up before we enter the auditorium depicts your unpopular movie opinion. Well, I was actually in that last, with that last question, I almost gave an unpopular movie opinion, which is, um, this is not my chosen unpopular movie opinion. Turns out I have a few, but um, I was going to say in reference to Tar, for example, Inside Llewellyn Davis, hated that film. Everyone loves that film. I hated that film for that same reason. I'm like, he's a prick. And he's being a prick to everyone he knows. Oh, he's nice to a cat. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. What a guy. Let's... Mm -mm, <laughs> no. Oscar Isaac, you're beautiful. You're playing the guitar. That's wonderful. But, like, you're a terrible person. Why am I watching a film about you? So, anyway, but that's by the by. <laughs> <laughs> he's nice to a cat, though. That's, he's nice to a cat. <laughs> but he's, but he's nice to that's a cat. That's the standard. That is the... The level that we've set for like a hero, a male hero. Can he be nice 
to the thing that is easiest in the world to be nice to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Forgive, forgive him for getting his best friend's girlfriend pregnant. Forgive him for like treating all of his friends like shit. No. More the cat. Get in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay but that is not your unpopular movie opinion that is not it what what is your unpopular no. movie opinion okay um once upon a time in hollywood in the toilet absolutely not and to be honest quentin tarantino can just get straight in there as far as i'm concerned after that why film <laughs> what, what, why Where, what what's the uh, thinking what this is like <laughs> i thought i'd go for it I thought I'd go for it, Alex. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, look, um, I love a big swing. This is a big swing. I respect that. Why, why, why is Quentin Tarantino joining Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in the toilet? Okay, well, I just, I guess, this kind of all links into a kind of general, like, what is the malaise of Hollywood in general, and that is like men like him, too much power. We start from. Once, once upon a time in Hollywood. One, you have uh, some of my already least favorite things, which is two absolute pricks doing absolutely nothing for anyone. Women to enjoy a film just about these two pricks. This guy might have killed his wife. Whoa, but it's Brad Pitt though. <laughs> and you know, Leo just being just being like literally an alcoholic wash up has been. We're like, yeah, let's make a let's make a two plus hour film about them. <laughs> Why? It just blows my mind. Um, okay, but then sitting there watching the film, being like, is this going to pick up anytime? Then, <laughs> then they use Quentin Tarantino has chosen to use Bruce Lee as fodder, as comedic, as a comedic punch bag and a literal punch bag in his film without asking for consent from his estate. The unbridled in entitlement for Quentin Tarantino, who owes so much to Bruce Lee, his oeuvre, martial arts. You know, he's basically been like, I'm a white guy. I'm going to take all of this and use it for myself. I'm going to like Elvis Presley taking the blues and just, just use it, put it in the mainstream, no credit, and then for him to be like, okay, we need Brad Pitt <clears throat> to show that he's like insanely good at fighting. How are we going to do that? Well, the, the way we do that is by him beating someone up that no one cares about. So the first person of color you see is a parody of Bruce Lee that they then use to show as a punch bag for Brad Pitt. I just, it was so many layers for me of absolute fuckery. <laughs> um, <laughs> entitlement, laziness, just like disrespect and frankly, like just out and out racism that I've from then on, yeah, in the bin, just <laughs> press that pedal, pop him in the bin, <laughs> tie up that bag at the top, swing him in the dumpster. Well, that is an unpopular movie opinion and yet I'm almost convinced it should maybe be a popular movie opinion based on that well thought through constructed argument I'm putting up a poster for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood thank you <laughs> we've arrived at our last set of doors now there's a queue of people hoping to join you and Paxi in the cinema are you going to let them in do you want a busy screen or do you want it just you and Paxi I'm going to let in the um I'm just going to let in the, the few people that I, I vibe with in the queue. Okay. But just go down the queue, check out the vibe and uh, who you know, who I connect, connect with immediately. And uh, they're going to come in. All right, then. Well, <laughs> the select few who you feel you have a connection with, they go wild. They enter the auditorium. You take your seat on a sofa in the middle at the back with Paxi. Now, before we get to the movie that you are going to be screening for us tonight, we're going to play a few things first to warm up this select crowd. First of all, we're going to play the trailer for the movie you are most looking forward to. What trailer are we playing? I'm not sure. I'm not really. I don't. I just roll with the punches so i think in terms of like anything highbrow exciting actually what i'm excited about is um 
Let's see the trailer for Cocaine Bear. Oh, 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 oh yeah. I'm, I mean, it's so weird. Have, have, how is it that those two words have always belonged together and yet until now we never realised? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And like the crew are going to love it. We all know we're going to love it. It's going to be such a treat. So, yeah, that's what we'll watch. Yeah, I'm... Um- uh, as long as uh, I have one thing, my one my, my one thing. So obviously, it's based on a true story. I, as long as the bear doesn't die, because I I I just can't. I I mean, like you know, I I can't have the bear die at the end, and I I don't know if it does or not. And in the real story, obviously, it did because it was a bear full of cocaine. But I just hope <laughs> they've reversioned it. I hope they've done. For, for want of a better example, I hope they've done a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, sorry, and reversioned history so the bear lives. Bad example, bad example. So the bear, yeah, yeah. So in that version, the bear will have drunk a whole pitcher of margaritas and then um, will just go murder a bunch of women for no reason for like 15 minutes. That's what we want. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. Bad bad example, bad example. (laughs) No, no, let's let's have the bear like, maybe it can be like the end of Big and... As the cocaine leaves his body, he just slowly turns into a bear cub and walks away from the scene of the crime. <laughs> Back to, and you see his mum come out of his little bear house. <laughs> bear? Oh my God, bear! <laughs> you'll have that. <laughs> uh, well, that's that's a much better ending. Uh, if if that it's, if that's how it ends, I'll be very happy. We'll play the trailer for Cocaine Bear. Okay, next up, we're going to play your favourite shot or sequence from a movie. Okay, there's a toss up here. I'm thinking we're in the cinema. I always like you know cinema best is the best place to watch uh, like a thriller or something like that. Um, so I think we should watch the, um, I can't remember which Bourne film it is, but, um, where they're having like the car chase in a mini, they're like in a minivan. And I think they're driving through the streets of, where are they? Is it, is it Berlin? Berlin or I, something yeah, like that. I think it's Berlin. Yeah. It's, it's the, f- I think but so. it's the first Bourne movie, the Bourne identity, I believe this is in. Yeah. I just, uh, let's get a little bit of action up there. Um, to, I mean, we've had Cocaine Bear, but I just, because the other things I was thinking of, I love the um, the scene in the Royal Tenenbaums where Luke Wilson is is cutting all his hair and, and his beard and they're playing, and Needle in the Hay is playing. I think that's great. I love anything which is just like on the actor. Hmm. Like, yeah, like, you know, in, in Tar when she's watching the video at the end, watching um, the sort of baby's first conducting video and I was just like wow oh, we're just with her I love that and it's and she's amazing in it yeah either and if not that or maybe it would be this it would be <laughs> the final scene of um of first wives club where <laughs> Goldie Horn, Bette Midler and um Diane Keaton are just singing you don't own me and dancing out of this restaurant. <laughs> it's just a very uplifting. It's something that Paxi would love actually, because she and I really love First Wives Club. Um, have watched it together on multiple occasions. So let's uh, let's have that. Okay, so we went on a journey there. We went from the Born Identity mini chase to the Royal Tenenbaums to Tar, but we're settling on the end of the First Wives Club. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, thanks for going on that journey with me. I enjoyed the journey. <laughs> I enjoyed the journey and I enjoy your final decision. First Wives Club is the scene we're playing. Now, Anna, you very kindly printed out T-shirts as a gift for Paxi and our audience with your favourite movie quote on the front. What is your favourite movie quote? What is my favourite movie quote? I'm too indec- I'm too indecisive for this question. This is the problem. But I mean, that's why you see from the last question, I'm, I'm very bad at landing on one thing. So, well, I guess it would be from the... But it's from the film that I'm going to screen at the end. Ooh, okay. Um, well, mm. maybe say it, and uh, but don't uh, don't qualify anything about it. Or is it that famous that when you say the quote, everyone will immediately know the film? No, I don't think so. But <clears throat> okay, how about this? From like probably it was my second choice to screen the film, and it's not really a, the quote per se, but it's just that I probably can quote along the whole film, which is um, Heath Ledger saying, "What's with this girl? She got beer flavored nipples or something." in 10 Things I Hate About You, which is not a quote. Do you know what I mean? It's not a quote, but every time I watch it, 
I'm like, because the first, I think the first couple of times I watched it as a kid, I was like, what's he saying? And I was like, oh, he's asking if she's got beer flavored nipples, which <laughs> is just such a terrible, um, it's such a terrible line that it's almost brilliant. Because um, even if such a thing were possible, Alex, <laughs> would would that be something that you would be vying for? <laughs> beer flavored beer, I think, is the one thing that you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, like, it, yeah, yeah, sorry, I don't want to go, I was going to start discussing uh, the pros and cons of that, but I think I don't want to, I, I think it goes into very dark places very quickly, <laughs> so I'm just going to, I'm just going to print up the t-shirts and leave it there. Yeah, any quote from that film, basically, you can all think of a better quote from that film, it's, it's iconic, but yeah. <laughs> right then. It's going on the T-shirt. What's with this girl? She got beer-flavoured nipples. That's the T-shirt. Stand by it. (laughs) Just before we get to the movie, you're screening tonight. The final thing we're going to do is play your favourite song or score from a film. What are we going to play? I think maybe it's the soundtrack from Amelie. I just find it is just, it's so, I mean, yeah, it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. I get that. I get that. I'm, it's a, it's a beautiful film, and it's it's one of those soundtracks, uh, one of those scores that just uh, it just it seems to go so well with the film. Like it all becomes this this one giant like beautiful thing. <laughs> it's words, good words, me use. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I'm I'm completely with you. I agree because um, yeah, it's like you don't want it. The two things are so intrinsically linked that you can't have. I can't imagine Amelie without the score. And it's just I rewatched it again recently. I was really worried that it was gonna that I was gonna be like, oh no. But it still has a real place in my heart, and I think it still stands up. It's just so. It's it's just so French. It's so ineffably yes, French. Is. And so is the score. So it's uh, it's definitely for the romantic in me. The Secret Hopeless Romantic. I'll take that score. I love it. The score for Amelie for The Secret slash Hopeless Romantic in you. That's uh, that's beautiful. Okay, we've arrived at the moment. It's time now to announce to our excited, hand-picked audience in this auditorium and indeed, Paxi, the movie that you are screening tonight, the movie out of all others you have picked as the climax for this trip. What are we watching, Anna? I hate choosing my favorite children. I think it's going to be Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. What a, a, a wonderful, wonderful film. Tell me why you've picked it and why you fell in love with that film. There is lots of reasons. One of them is that I've always been a huge Jim Carrey fan. <laughs> I just think he's uh, amazing. And I, I think I, I have a real... I'm a big Kaufman fan and I love a kind of magic realism film. You know, I love, same with theatre. I I want, I think that's what you get with film over TV really. It's like the ability to really bend and break the rules because you have much more sort of space to, to, you know, it's much more considered medium than TV by its, just by its kind of nature. So I, and I guess, again, maybe this is the hopeless romantic in me as well, but I think it just really, the film itself, the the kind of subject matter is drilling into this idea that if you could have it all over again, what would you change? Which I think is such a sort of fundamental philosophical question, you know, Um, you can't, you, you choose to love someone with all their flaws, you choose to love yourself with all your flaws, you can't erase your past because it makes your makes up your future like you literally can't outrun it but to to put that in the context that it is which is like a whimsical kind of poignant love story rather than you know a sort of a tom cruise led dystopian nightmare is just it's just my yeah it's just hits hits all the notes for me and i think as well just like you so rarely see a couple like like jim carrey's character and and Clementine, which is Kate Winslet's character. Yeah, that 
you so you so rarely see a couple like that except as a as a throwaway like as a punchline really this that that maybe is like the kooky friend couple that would be on the outskirts of a Paul Rudd movie or something like that but they are two very different very flawed people who make it make the very imperfect relationship worthwhile yeah I love it and I love everything that you know they do in terms of how do you write that I mean you know I write as well (laughs) like how on earth do you get about writing that (sighs) hats off chapeau yeah, it's an incredible film and just um, the way it's directed as well by Michelle Gondry, just like some of the effects and especially as they're being chased through his memories and then that really funny scene. Oh, I'd forgotten the really funny scene with Baby, Baby Jim Carrey. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I feel so safe in here. <laughs> it's, just in, it's so great. It's so great. And they like this, it's so committed and then everything, sort of all the layers, it's it's very everything every, everywhere all at once, you know, all the layers mm. sort of crashing into into themselves. But um yeah, I always I always think of uh of <laughs> of um Elijah Wood's face kind of not, you know, like there's a he keeps trying to see this guy that he saw with Clementine, he keeps sort of trying to turn him around and it's just like this impossible blur, Patrick, baby boy. <laughs> like, woo, woo. <laughs> it's it's so great. It's so brilliantly trippy. And um, yeah, and I think then you've got all everything on the outside, like Mark Ruffalo's unrequited love with Kirsten Dunst. And well, I suppose it's like quasi-requited. Mm. And her love for, what was that actor's name? God, I'm terrible. Tom Wilkinson. <laughs> it's only my job. Tom Wilkinson, <laughs> yeah. And just how like, it should be a really depressing, even their friends, you know, the, the, the couple that they keep going to for advice and uh, that, that Clementine and Jim Carrey keep going to for advice, that they're a mess as well, you know. It should be really depressing, but it's actually very, very hopeful. Yeah, and the filmmaking, I mean, it's gorgeous. I love it. I love it. I think you've. Uh, I think you've picked probably, in my humble opinion, one of the greatest romantic comedies of all time. As the movie was screening, thank you, Anna. And that's it. The curtains have closed. The guests are milling out, smiling, chatting, and thanking you for taking them on an incredible night out of the movies. But before you go, it's time for this week's mystery question. As we ask, what's in the box? Saw you with the box. What was in the box? Oh, what's in the box? Uh, so it's an actual box. Fully immersive. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is so exciting. Uh, Okay. So the question is, as a brilliant comedian yourself, what do you consider the greatest comedy performance in a film of all time? Wow. Wow. Okay. What a question. Holy cow. I don't know how to answer that. I've already told you I'm terrible at picking things. Okay. Well, look. I'm, I know we've already, I'm slightly swerving the question, but um, I think Goldie Horn is hilarious in, in every film that I, and it's, it's kind of um, how, how she's so beautiful. You don't need to be that funny, like <laughs> calm down. So I would definitely put her up there like Private Benjamin or something like that. Yeah. I watched, um, I watched, Overboard for the first time in a long time recently. Do you remember the Kurt Russell girl? Yes, I do. That's an interesting film. Interesting film to watch. (laughs) (laughs) But I loved it so much. I loved it so much as a kid. And then I rewatched it and I was like, what did they do to us? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you don't have a wife, just kidnap one and then just gaslight her into looking after your children. <laughs> so romantic. Oh, yeah. But she's 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 so good in it. She's so funny. Mm-hmm. You can stick with Goldie Horn. Goldie Horn's a great answer. I'm I'm a huge fan. Would you like Goldie Horn? Do you know what? Let's just Goldie Horn in any in anything and just say that. Goldie Horn in anything. I love it. Ah, oh, that really is it, Anna. The taxi has arrived to ferry you back to reality. But before you leave, let's recap your perfect night out at the cinema. You are going with your very tolerant friend, Paxi, at 9.30 in the evening. 
You are sitting on a double seat at the back. You are having a bottle of water in your bag, some minstrels, maybe some dumplings, a cup of tea, and a 70-30% ratio of sweet to salted popcorn. We're putting up posters for Jumanji, in which they never go to Jumanji. The anxiety-inducing uncut gems, the wonderful everything everywhere all at once in Michelle Yeoh's performance brought you to tears. The unpopular movie opinion that is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Quentin Tarantino and get in the bin. We're playing the trailer for Cocaine Bear. We are then watching the scene at the end of the first Wives Club. We are putting What's With This Girl? She got beer-flavoured nipples on a T-shirt before listening to the score from Amelie and watching Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Anna, thank you for taking us on a trip to the movies. Have you had a good time? Oh, I've had a ball. It was amazing. I have to go and recreate that immediately, right now. Yeah, or at 9.30. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a lovely rest of your day. Thanks, Alex. And as Anna's cab carries her away from our virtual cinema off into the distance, it's your chance to win a pair of tickets for a night out at a very real Odeon cinema. As I said at the start, the lovely people at Odeon have given us a pair of tickets to give away every week. And if you'd like the chance of getting these tickets... All you have to do is leave us a review of the show or a comment on our socials. You can leave a review on whichever podcast platform you use, be it Apple Podcasts or other, or you can get in touch on any of our socials, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, where we are at Trip to Movies Pod. The competition is only open to UK residents, and the tickets exclude Odeon Leicester Square and Odeon Lux. And just before I say my final farewell for this episode, don't forget, you can find all our video clips from from every interview sitting on our lovely Trip to the Movies YouTube channel. So if you like to watch your interviews rather than listen, head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe right there. And that really is it for this week. I will be back next week when another guest takes us on a trip to the movies. Bye-bye.